0: Doing a little bit of that, it is surprising how much people do not know about the Bible. Are you catching that? And uh, I was sharing with some people that the Bible covers everything. It covers everything. Now, I'm not going to cover you about a new car, but the Lord says, "Be anxious for nothing," and He's giving you the Holy Spirit and he'll help guide you to the one that you are to be in. It, it's amazing if you ask for his help. But the young girls that asked me about fathers, and I told them everything I learned about being a father, I basically learned through Scripture because everything I was doing prior to it was totally wrong. How to be a husband, I learned it from the Scriptures. Uh, when Elaine and I first got married, as I shared with them, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, and It's amazing though how detailed the Bible is if you're in it and you're reading it and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you. It's amazing. And what we want to do today is continue on that thing of learning and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us and minister to us. Father, we sit at your feet Lord Jesus, we're at your feet. Holy Spirit, we're at your feet. We're here to hear from you, not from flesh and blood. We're here to learn from you. For you said that you would teach us, that there would be a time that we are not taught by men, but we are taught by your Spirit. And Lord, I believe that we are in those days, O God whereby we are truly taught by the Holy Spirit that He confirms and He persists in teaching us, Lord, in persuading us over the issues of right and wrong. And in our world today, Lord, we don't know what to call right or what to call wrong because Right has been made to look like wrong, and wrong has been made to look like right. And we are a people who are often confused over what is the right thing to do. But Lord, we're asking that you would teach us through the power of your Holy Spirit how to live for you, how to live in the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How to live in that which has been imputed unto us. That has been given to us. Lord. We're not people of the world. We're not the people that should have a worldly mind. But we should have the mind of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we should have that mind Lord. Lord that is focused towards heaven, not so much here upon earth. So would you, O God, in your miraculous way, help transform us even further today as we sit and we ponder your word and as your Holy Spirit ministers to us. We give you thanks, we give you praise, in Jesus' name, amen. Revealing truth. There have been those down through the ages that have asked the question, even as Paul had asked, what is truth? What is truth? Truth is that thing that some people say it can be true for you or for me, but not true for them. Truth is always truth. But yet, we struggle with that thing called truth. And the Holy Spirit has come to reveal truth to us. What is really truth. And what God's standards really are. And you and I must be a people who desire to live out the standards of God. And that would make us look odd. That's going to make us look different. That's going to make us think differently. That's going to make us do things differently than what people of the world or, or normal life might look like. We're going to be different. And it's amazing that people, when they see you do something that they think is so far different than the norm, that you're considered odd, weird. And Christians are that. Because we march to a different drum. We need to understand That the Holy Spirit, he is the true teacher of past and future. He's the true teacher of past and future. Now, the Holy Spirit is the teacher of truth, which brings people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit also. To reveal Jesus to us. And to remind us all the things that God has said. Oftentimes we are the ones who forget that the Holy Spirit really wants to use us. But let me share something with you. Very difficult for him to use us without this. That's why Paul says that we've taken this and we've hid it in here. And Paul calls us his walking epistles. Because we know this. The Psalms just put it that he's hid the word of God in his heart that he might now what? Sin against God. Because he knows this. The Holy Spirit really is that teacher. Now our main text is going to be found in John 16, but we're just going to explore something. Go with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 for a moment. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Go to verses 13 through 14, and we're going to come back to 2 Thessalonians later on also. But look at verses 13 and 14. But we ought always to thank God for you, brethren, loved by the Lord, Because from the beginning God chose. Chose you. To what? To be saved. Now God chose all men to be saved. For it is his will that none would what? Perish. And his desire is that all people would be saved. That none would be lost. But look how he does it. God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of who? Of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit separates you from the world and begins to groom you for the glory of our God. He begins to teach you. He begins to share truth with you. He begins to share the gospel with you. He begins to bring you to an understanding of why Jesus died and why he rose from the grave. And he says, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth, that the Spirit of truth teaches. That the spirit of truth will be against to show you truth. But not only show you truth, but give you understanding. Because many people read the Bible but have no understanding of it. You want to be able to read it, but you also want it to be quickened to your heart and to your mind. That you have understanding of it. And the only way you get understanding of this word of the scriptures if you spend time in the scriptures with the Holy Spirit. And there is no dumb question to the Spirit. There is none. I had a young lady ask me, What happens if two women get married, and there's not a man down there, but the father walks the girl down the aisle, but he's not giving his daughter to a man, but to a woman, does he need to do that? Well, first of all, that's totally wrong anyhow. That's unbiblical. And we just went to Leviticus 18. Man doesn't lie with man as he does a woman. Woman doesn't lie with woman as she lies with a man. Just reverse the two things there. And to bring understanding. And I just went a step further. I said, do you understand why the dad walks the young lady down the aisle? Yeah, he's given her away. No. When the father walks the young lady down the aisle, In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, the young man pays a diary to the father and so forth. He's guaranteeing what he's getting is pure. The father is saying to the young man who's taken his daughter, She is a virgin. She's been in my house under my care, under my watch. Therefore, you also find when the husband. Brings a charge against his daughter about unfaithfulness before marriage, the father is the one who has to speak up. Because he is the one who gives her away. So the father stands up and speaks up. And he delivers the proof from the wedding night that his daughter was a virgin. There's so much we don't understand because we don't seek to understand. When you desire knowledge and truth, you also want to seek the understanding of that truth. And he goes on he says, it's through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Well, where did you get truth from? You definitely didn't get it from man. You got it from the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. And He called you to this through our gospel. Who's going to teach you the gospel? Who's going to teach you the Word of God? The Holy Spirit. You may hear it through man, you may hear man's voice speak it, but the Holy Spirit has to confirm it. The Holy Spirit has to confirm it. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our God, Jesus Christ. And there's the purpose for it. That we might share the things of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Back up in the verses 9 and 11. He says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displaying all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. Now, if, if that's happening, how do you know when something takes place is not of God? How do you know, boy, you see a miracle, but, oh, that has to be God. That has to be a God at work. No. No. If some of you remember some years ago, missionaries shared with us that this person at their meeting in one sense accepted the Lord and the back and everything was straightened up. They lost that crippleness. But the moment that they began to praise their idol They went right back into the form that they were in prior to. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit, miracles, signs, and wonders. And in every sort of evil now, catch what follows evil that deceives. Evil deceives. Sinfulness is deceptfulness. And the whole process, people can't tell what is being deceitful or that which is wrong that looks so good that people think, boy, we need to call it right. And that's the problem that Christianity is having with homosexuals. And that's why the issue, some of the church accepts it because it's good. They love each other. that's not the qualifying thing for two men or two women to get married that they love each other the thing is wrong because God says it's wrong period and he says evil has the ability or sin has the ability to deceive those And look with faults that are perishing. That is perishing. Now, go to Jeremiah. I don't know why I got two E's up in there, but I guess I hit it twice. Go to Jeremiah real quick. And I want you to catch what the Lord is saying in 14. And then ask yourself this Is that happening today? Is it happening today? Because there are many things that are going out about the name of Jesus. There's many things going out about the name of the Lord. There's many things going out about Christianity. And the only thing a person has to do is put in front of their name is Reverend, pastor, doctor so-and-so, or this or that, and we believe it. People, don't believe me. You go home and search it out. Don't trust me. The state is too high. Because you're talking about your salvation, not mine. You're talking about yours. You're talking about your walk with the Lord. And how you should walk with the Lord, not mine. You don't trust no man with your eternal destiny. As Paul says, I know in whom I believe. You need to know for yourself. Not just because somebody told you or, be, or somebody instructed you. You need to know the Lord for yourself. Amen. The state is too high. Man. In Jeremiah, he says, Then the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies. Wait a minute, Lord. These are your prophets. These are prophets. These are men with the title of prophets. You tell me that they're going to lie? Yes. Pastors lie? Yes. Pastors commit adultery? Yes. Does pastors do things they shouldn't do still? Yes. Why? Because of sin. And the Lord says it right. Trust, no. Why? We're all vulnerable to sin. All all of us. The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them. That's the first thing. A lot of people choose to be in the ministry because boy, People conclude, well, it's not hard work. What they think they see is somebody always in a suit. And that it's easy. Dealing with people is hard. I have gone home crying from dealing with people. Because everything in my body aches. You can't put people off. People's problems are like a baby coming. You can't tell it to wait until you feel better or you're up to it. It's coming. And a lot of folks are in it because of what they get out of it not because they've been called and God will provide for them. It's what they get out of it. And there are a lot of those who give their life to it and are faithful to the Lord. And you are the ones who have to know the difference and discern that person. You have to know that. And that's part of the work of the Holy Spirit to establish that. And he says, I have not sent them, or appointed them, or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions. So, how do you know a false vision from a true vision? That's the work of the Holy Spirit to help you discern that and to understand that. Now, let's go to John 16 because Jesus is going to say something that somewhat startles the men, shakes them a little bit, but it's necessary. It's necessary. And he points that out, that it really is necessary for him to depart, for him to leave. When we pick up in verse 5, he says, Now I am going to him who sent me. God sent his son into this world at an exact time. God knew exactly when to send Jesus. And God the Father sent him. Yet none of, of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things. You are filled with what? Grief. They want him to What? Stay. They want him to be there with them. And he's saying, no, it's time for me to leave. It's time for me to leave. And Then when you get in seven, he says, but I tell you the truth. It is for your good. How can this be for my good? Let me share something with you. my kids after college and so forth sometimes questions come but one of the questions were dad, why did you send us away from home? Because I know your mama. If you would have went to Aquanyu you wouldn't have had a day of peace and I wouldn't have had a day of peace. So if I put some distance between you two and plus now you have a chance to establish yourself. We've taught you Now you have to learn to stand. We've taught you. Now you have to choose if you're going to follow this, if you're going to live by this. And there will be things that you will do that we don't never need to know about. But if you were here in Akron, there wouldn't be a day your mama wouldn't be looking you up. Calling you. Telling you, you, you don't need to do this. And you don't need to be there. And you don't need to do that. And that would have been my problem then. Because her problem becomes my problems. So I put some distance between us. You know, for that to see, from my perspective, if you were going to adapt and stand on that which you've been taught. Your decisions now. You have to make them. We cannot easily be touched. Did they have cell phones at that time? No, they didn't have cell phones then. See, and, and the whole thing, they had to make decisions for themselves. But they've been taught how to make decisions and to measure things out and think things through. They've been taught how to get a sheet of paper Write down the good things that may happen, what may not happen, and the way those things. They were taught what the scripture says. Okay? And one time, boy, Faith and Gus come up with a good idea. We're going to share an apartment. It won't work. It lasted how long? Two months. One one semester. Hey. Okay? And the whole process is that they have to learn. Put them away away some distance. You're not involved with all their little what? Integral problems. And they want Jesus there. Why? Jesus had took care of all their what? Problems in a sense. And Jesus said, it's important that I go away. That I go away. It's important. Now, Jesus understood it. They didn't. Jesus is in a body. He's limited. He can't be everywhere. He can't be in everybody's life. He's, he's limited because of the body that he took on. He's limited. The Holy Spirit doesn't have this human body his fleshly body and he's limitless he's unbound there's no boundaries for him the Holy Spirit doesn't know anything about hunger, Jesus experienced hunger Holy Spirit don't know anything about being tired Jesus experienced being tired but the Holy Spirit is not limited He's not bound by a body. The condition of the Holy Spirit coming is that Jesus would also have to be in heaven. That he would be gone. Listen to what he says in that verse again. In verse 7, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, unless I go, unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. The counselor will not come. The helper will not come. The teacher will not come. The one who is going to convince the world of his sin will not come. Unless I go. Unless I go. Now, Jesus' work is completed. I like to call it the second phase. And uh, this is just my own little thoughts here. So I'm going to give you all just a little bit of a window into my thinking sometime. But this is the second phase. What was the first phase? God working with man through prophets. After the fall... God works with men through priests, through prophets, through his laws. He's working with men. I like what one author says is that God gives every ethnic group an opportunity to lead and every ethnic group failed. And then Jesus Christ came. Because no ethnic group or no person would be able to stand before God and say, I could achieve this, I could have done this, and God shows where man was a constant failure all the way through the Old Testament.. And history also proves it. All the great leaders who called themselves leading were also, in a sense, failures of what God was out to accomplish. Jesus' work is completed, and Jesus said it himself: "It's finished on the cross. It's finished. It's finished. My work is done." And His work was limited to approximately the 33 years. Jesus' coming is what I call for myself, Phase Two. Phase Three is what we're in: the time of the Holy Spirit and him working with believers and the church. Teaching the church what is really truth. so that the church itself can combat falsehood, or errors, or that which is not true, or erroneous teaching. The church has that job to do, to stand for truth, and denounce that, which is made to look like truth that is not truth. And phase four, Jesus coming back. End of time. As we know it. Now, think of Jesus' this time. 33 years. Go to book of Acts with me, chapter 2. Book of Acts, chapter 2 with me. Go to 38 and 39. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are, what? Far off. Guess who the far off is? That's you and I. That are far off. That this gift would be to your children, to their children, and to all those that are afar off. Not 33 years. Not a time period. The Holy Spirit is here to work with us as long as we are here as long as we are here. And even when Jesus comes back, the Holy Spirit will still be working. Why? Because salvation takes place also during the time of his thousand-year rule. And the only one who convicts man of sin is the Holy Spirit. That's his function, you could say, in the Godhead. He convicts men of their sin. Now, in Second Thessalonians again, go go with me to uh, chapter one. Second Thessalonians chapter one. Look at verses six and nine. Get my eyes all focus. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who do what? Who trouble you. He's going to do that. And relieve you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This would happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels boy, who's going to teach us that? The spirit of truth. He's going to still be active. Now, why? Because Jesus' ministry is back, but in a different way. He says he did not come to condemn the second time He does. He really does. And to punish. Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit. That's an agreement between the Trinity, between the Godhead. And that whole process is something that was began before this earth was ever created. It's not a new plan that came up along the way. It was a plan that was set forth before this world was ever created. That he would send the Holy Spirit after his time. And Jesus just says very clearly, I will send him. I will send him. Look at at chapter 15 and go also to verse uh, 26. 15. When the counselor comes who I will send, who I will send to you from the Father. The Spirit of what? The Spirit of truth. Again, he's called the Spirit of truth. In 16, and well, uh, 13, he's called the Spirit of truth because he's going to teach us what? Truth. He's going to teach us truth. Turn over to 1426 just for a moment. John 14, verse 26. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just said, Jesus just said that he will send him. Now you're saying the Father is going to send him? What it is showing is the agreement between the Godhead. That they're in agreement. Agreement of What? That the Spirit would come and teach. They're in agreement that this is how we're going to function. This is how we're going to do this thing. This is how we're going to bring salvation to man. This is how we're going to teach man. This is how we're going to unwrap the gospel to man. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you. Now look what didn't change. He's going to teach you. Why? He's the Spirit of Truth. He's going to teach. Look what else he's going to do. He's going to teach you all things. Now now especially if you're up at age, you begin to appreciate this and will remind you of everything. Remind you of everything. Remind you of past teaching. Remind you of the past, how God has worked, and also show you the future and let you know how God's going to work. He's going to remind you of all the things that Jesus has taught. He's going to remind you of the work of God in your life. He's going to remind you and bring back to memory to you those things that sometimes are very hard to call back. um, In 1 Kings, I had to laugh one morning while I was doing devotion because it says, cursed is the young man who laughs at the man who is bald-headed. And when I saw that little breath, I said, Lord, <laughs> it's a blessing to be bald-headed. <laughs> and anybody who makes fun of, of me not having hair, they're going to be cursed. <laughs> and, and the whole is to allow scripture to talk to you. Allow scripture to minister to you. And they are in agreement. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is in agreement that this is the time that the Spirit will come and he would teach. What the Holy Spirit is going to do here in this world and it's so necessary especially in the day in which we live. It's like people live with no shame today. There used to be things you could shame people out of. You can't do that anymore. It used to be that people just had enough pride in themselves. And something that we have forgot to teach, pride in a family name. That as a family, this is what we stand for. This is how we live. And and we don't go contrary to that to a certain degree. That there's pride in a family name and how you stand and how you're represented in society and in your community, in your neighborhood. Anymore, we come up with, I don't care what people think. But we ought to. But we ought to. therefore he's going to come to convict us of our guilt. Or he's going to convince us of our sin. Now, back in 16, let me point this out to you. Let's go to verse 8 in 16. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. Or he's going to persuade them over that which is right. He's going to teach them what is right. But he's going to persuade them in a sense, you don't know what is right. He's going to persuade them, not over sins, but over sin. The sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. That you really don't believe in Jesus Christ. That is a sin. But also understand this. You cannot make anybody believe. If I could take a baseball bat and put some lumps on your head and you would believe. I'll, I'll be out here all day with a baseball bat. But only the Holy Spirit can convict, persuade, and reveal to a person the truth of their own unbelief. The other day in a meeting with some of the men, one of the men just, he quickly spoke up, and he said, I only believe what I see. That's fine. Why? I can't deal with his unbelief. I know one who does. Therefore, I've been praying for him all this week, that God would reveal himself to him. Because God has to do that. Him and I could be there arguing all day long, and he he hit a he hit a spot. Unless I see him, I won't believe it. You remember Thomas in the Bible? I won't believe unless I see it for myself. Eh? So we're hearing about Muslims, Jews, people overseas seeing things that we have not yet seen. That they've seen Jesus. They've seen this. And they've accepted the Lord because of what they have seen. And he says, he's going to convict you of your unbelief. Now, that unbelief, oftentimes as individuals we think it's just the person. Let's look at a couple of scriptures because it's concerning Jesus. This belief is concerning Jesus and he says that in verse 9. He says, In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. Satan just wants to stop you from believing in Jesus. All the other stuff, Is not important because all the other stuff will fall once you really come to know Jesus. But if I just make you a good person, you're not saved. You're still going to hell. And believe this there's a lot of good people that's going to be in hell. A lot of good people will be in hell. But they're not saved. And Jesus says, of your unbelief about me. Man chooses not to believe. Why? Second Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this world has done what to them? Has blinded them. They can't see. Paul even declares that also. Paul said, boy, at one time, I only saw Jesus just as a man. But no more. But no more. And and the thing is, people, yeah, Jesus was just a man, just like me. But he wasn't God. He wasn't God. And if he's not God, then he's not qualified to be a Savior. But many people are smart enough not to deny him, because history, what? Declares him. But he's not God. And we have a lot of religions that do the same thing. He was a great prophet. He was a good teacher. He was a good man. He was a good person. But he's not God. And the Holy Spirit has come to convict us, persuade us, that Jesus Christ is God. Is God. And then in 2 Thessalonians 2.10, again, all the evils, That deceives us. At our table, it it, it kind of threw one man off over two things that the men said when they used the words females rather than wife. And and then the second one, when one of the men were talking about, you're going to give us the the chance to make legal money? And he kind of voiced out to the others, we don't have to make that illegal money, we can make legal money. Illegal money. Yeah, you can go out here and sell drugs. Yeah, you can go out here and rob somebody and sell it on the street. You can go out here and do a lot of things illegally and make money. You can work under the table (laughs) and get paid. You can make illegal money. Well, what startled the individual when the man said, We can make money legally? Yes. 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 You can make money doing what is right. You don't have to steal it. How many of you remember about maybe a little over three years ago in the Bignett Journal where a gentleman took $30,000, a little over $30,000 down to Dave Tau to buy his Cadillac? But he took it in a brown paper bag. And while the salesman was talking, another person called the Akron Police Department and they wanted to know where did this money come from since there's no record of you working anywhere. Where do you come up with $30,000 that never worked? You didn't inherit it. Where did this $30,000 come from? In a bag. Never was in the bank. In the bag. (laughs) There's not too many options left for you to explain or for my mind to figure out where you got this $30,000 from. And then, in 1 Timothy four one. It says, talk of demons. Now, first of all, a lot of people today don't believe in what? Demons. But demons teach. It's that demon that is encouraging you to do the thing that is wrong. It is that demon that is saying, it's okay. You won't get caught. It's okay. You love him. It's okay. You love her. It's okay. You can steal. They got too much, anyhow. And you recognize something sometime about sin? How the enemy justifies your action for doing it. And he says, taught by demons. And then in John 4 1, he says, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe it. Take it home. Study it out. See if it really is. Be a Berean. Search it out. Just because Pastor so-and-so said it does not make it true. You need to understand it for yourself. Go seek it out. And you need to study it for yourself. And ask the question, is this really true, Holy Spirit? Teach me. And if it is, then convict me of it. Because see, there are many false spirits that have gone into the world. And they're there to teach. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal true righteousness. Let me say it in another words. He's going to set forth the standards of God. That's all it is. These are the things that God approves of. This is what God demands and expects. This is the ways of God, not the ways of the world. And when you get into the Word, you can weigh the things of God and the things of the world. And you can see them. And he's going to do something that's amazing because he is the teacher of righteousness and the revealer of righteousness he's going to perform righteousness through the lives of the believer he's going to allow you to demonstrate what righteousness is and what righteousness looked like in the face of those who don't believe you get the privilege of God shining his spotlight on you and saying to somebody, they're living righteously. They're living up to my standards and my expectations. They're living life the way I desire them to live life. And that's all when he says, Righteousness is that he's going to declare God's righteousness to us. Now in Romans 3.10, he says, there's none that is righteous. No, not even one. Not one man. There's none that is righteous. So if there's none that is righteous, where do we get this righteousness from? And then he tells us again, in that verse 23, same chapter, all have sinned. Well, if there's none that is righteous, all have sinned. Where does righteousness come from? And it's imputed to us through Jesus Christ, his righteousness. Not my righteousness, but his righteousness. Righteousness has to be imputed. It's someone else's righteousness. It's not mine. It's Jesus through the Holy Spirit living this life. The righteousness of Jesus. Romans 1, 5 you You've been justified. When you've been justified, you've been declared what? Righteous. In the sight of God. You've been declared righteous, not because of your own righteousness, but because of the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ now that has been placed upon you as a believer. Go with me to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. Philippians 3. Hear what Paul is going to say here in 3 9. He says, And being found in faith, in him, not having a righteousness of who? My own. Well, Paul, if it's not your righteousness, then whose righteousness is it? It's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's his righteousness that has been placed upon me. It's his righteousness that I'm learning how to live out. It's it's His righteousness that I learned how to treat a fellow human being. It's through His righteousness that I learned how to be faithful to my wife. It's through His righteousness that I've learned my obligation to my children. It's through His righteousness I've understood that the finances are not mine. They're His. I understand it all through Him. And I deal with each area of my life in righteousness with him. So when my dad, who is 90-something years old, says something to a 60-year-old man, get down on the bed, get that box underneath the bed. Dad, I'm I'm old too. My knees hurt too. My back hurt too. But scripture says, honor your father and mother that your days might be what? He's still my dad. He made a request. It's not about my age. It's the respect and the honor. And more than that, what God has taught me how to honor my father and my mother. So I get down on my knees, though they hurt, bend down, pull that box off from under the bed, and he hears all my groaning. (laughs) But the thing is, he's still dad. He's still dad. Mom was still mom. Mom in a wheelchair. Come here, boy. I was power attorney, and I went over and I chewed her out royally. So she was having dad stay up at night. Dad even packed his suitcase and ran away from home. We couldn't find him for a day. <laughs> and I told mom, if you don't change your attitude, and if you don't behave, and you don't stop chasing everybody away, she said, come here, boy. I said, why? She said, "I want to kick you. Come here." <laughs> you know. But it's learning to do right in every situation of life. And then in Second Corinthians 5:21, he says, "We become the righteousness of God. Who makes us into that? Who grows us into that? The Holy Spirit? Remember what Romans 3.10 said? There's none that is righteous. No, not what? One. And now he's saying, we have become the righteousness of God. Who has developed that in us? Who has worked that work in us? That we can become the righteousness of God. And then he will teach us that there will be accountability for unbelief. In verse 11, he comes back there in that Matthew 16 and he wants us to know that there's going to be accountability. So he tells us that. He doesn't hide it from us. So in verse 11 he says, and in regard to judgment because of the prince of this world now stands already condemned. The prince of this world already stands condemned condemned he convicts us of our unbelief he teaches us the right standards of God and now he allows us to know there's accountability in Proverbs 14 12 says there is a way that seems right unto a man but the end thereof is death Every man sees himself what? Right. And every man argues from his point of right, of what he believes and holds to be right. Every person argues from that position. And their stance is, I'm right. Listen to children today. When they say to parents, it's not fair, what is the child saying? You're wrong, I'm right you're wrong, I'm right. Because it's how they're looking at the situation. It's what they see. And they call it right. Because at that point, they think it's right for who? For them. It may not be right for the family. It may not be right for mom and dad. But it is, hey, it's right for me. See, it's all right for me to be out at three o'clock. Even though you say come in at 10.30. No. See, we were taught when the street lights was on, you better be on the front porch. And when my girls were dating, they always had money. At that time, they had pay phones out. You be home by a certain time, you better call me. Because this is the time. And I would tell the young man also what time I expected her to be back home. Don't we, Pearl? (laughs) And, And the whole process is that, boy, the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, this is what is right. Don't lean on your own understanding. Here's what's right. Don't do what you think is right. Here's what's right. Because every one of us think we're right, and the thing is, we're going to give an account for that. Because when we do it, we do it in unbelief. We do it disregarding God. And in judges said, "Every man did what was right in his own eyesight. Every man did what he right in his own eyesight. We got." Prisons full of people who did what they thought was right in their own eyesight. Prisons are full with them. We got broken homes because men and women did what they thought was right for them. We got children who are broken because parents did what they thought was right rather than following the word of God. You can go down through life and see unrighteousness or the standard that God has set. If God says, boy, only place to have sex is in the marriage bed, and we change the standard, and we say you can go at it, look at all the folks that are hurt by that. Countless. Countless. Because we just wouldn't do it the right way. But we're held accountable for that. He says. In John 11. He simply says. Boy. And in regard to judgment. Because the prince of this world. The God of this world. The God who wants to mislead you. Misguide you now stands condemned. The cross did two things. Condemned everything Satan said, which fulfilled Genesis 3.15, that Christ would bruise his head by his heels and also set man free from the domination of sin if he chooses to walk with Jesus. If he chooses to believe in Jesus. The cross brought salvation to man. Everything's paid for now. But you got to put it all on the cross. You got to put it all on Jesus. And he says the prince of this world has already been condemned. Just go right over to John chapter 3. Understand this principle. We are bought from life, from death to life. we have bought from darkness to light. We have been bought from the father of lies, who is Satan, to the father of truth, who is God. 318, look what it says. Whoever believes in him is not, what? Condemned. That happens the moment you believe. You're not condemned any longer. You've been bought from death to life. You've been bought out of darkness. You've been bought out of unrighteousness. You've been bought out of evil. You've been bought out of uncleanness, to cleanness, to walking uprightly. To righteousness. And you are not condemned any longer. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands what? Condemned when? You don't have to pass go. You don't have to go to heaven to be told to go to hell. You leave directly from here to wherever your destination is. You leave from earth to hell or earth to heaven. You don't go to heaven to be told to go to hell. Why? You're already what? Condemned. And the reason you're condemned is because you will not believe. Condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our unbelief. Concerning who? Jesus. Concerning Jesus. Concerning Jesus. Now, you and I have to understand something. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us about the one who saved us. For he sets the example for us in all things. Secondly, he wants to teach us. I want you to catch this now you don't learn about how to begin to live in heaven once you get there have you ever had your parents take you to somebody's house and you just act up you just do all the things wrong see it used to be before you ever went visiting You were told how to what? Before you got there. For that you knew, keep your hands off things. Mama used to say, if you act up, I'm going to act up too. And the thing is, we were taught. When we went into somebody's house, if they told us to sit here, you better not open your mouth and say, well, i like to sit over there. If they wanted you to sit over there, they would have told you to go over there and sit. So we were told when they tell you to sit there, you sit there. Other little things we were taught. When you sit down and you're there at dinner time, if you don't see it on the table... What are you shaking your head about? <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> they put out what they wanted you to what? Yeah. They got chicken, you got any pork chops? Hmm. And somehow we've lost that. Now catch this. The Holy Spirit is teaching you a little bit about how you're going to act in heaven he's teaching you to live holy now because you're going to live holy where he's teaching you not to lie now because you're not going to lie where he's teaching you how you are to treat brothers and sisters now because you're going to have all kind of brothers sisters tea talking all kind of different languages looking all kind of different ways He's teaching you now how to love one another because that's what's going to happen in heaven. And he's teaching you in a sense what God the Father is expecting of us as Christians. As Christians. Remember what Jesus says? And he didn't say it for him, but he's saying it for us. I do only those things that is the will of the Father. I do those things that pleases the Father. Guess what the Holy Spirit is teaching us. To do those things that don't please who? But please Him. That pleases Him. And the Holy Spirit has a work yet to do in this vessel here. It's a, he says he will work with me until I see Christ face to face. Why? He knows my frame, and he knows, as Paul said, I have not yet arrived. I'm not perfect yet, so he's going to keep working in me, and there's a lot of work to be done. And Sister Brown will will agree with that real quick. Yeah, it is. See? Why? She sees a lot more that you don't see. And somebody living with you can say the same thing. (laughs) Because they see you how? In a whole different light. Hey. People, learn to yield to the Holy Spirit, learn not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And most important, learn to hear his voice. Learn to hear his voice. The other day, my wife got a phone call. And she kind of missed it. But she heard it on the answering machine. And God spoke to her immediately. Exactly what God said to her exactly what was going on God will speak to you why he's a living god he's not dead he's not dead and he wants to speak to you if you're willing to what listen he'll do it amen let's pray Father, we're so thankful that you have given unto us the Holy Spirit who gives us life. Who gives us life. Who gives us the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who is teaching us how to have the mind of Christ teaching us to be able to say, not my will, but your will be done. Who is teaching us that we can live a life always pleasing to the Father. Who is teaching us to forsake the things of this world and to make our bodies and cause the members of our bodies to always be in service For the glory of our God. He is teaching us the word of God that we might live it out. Oh Holy Spirit, I thank you for being so patient. I thank you for being so gentle. I thank you for being so understanding. I thank you for being concerned about us. and I thank you for teaching us. Help us to be willing students who are hungry to learn, who desire to learn, that we want to know much more than just doctrine. We want to know much more than just theology. We want to know you. We want to know you We want to be able to embrace you. We want to be able to talk with you. We want to be able to listen to you. We want to be able to commune with you and walk with you. Oh, Holy Spirit, we have so much to learn. Be our teacher. Be our counselor. Be the one who convicts us Of our unbelief, even though we are saved, we still question sometimes can God do this? Can God do that? Will God do this? It's still unbelief. But Lord, may we be taught that we truly believe that our God can do anything that there's nothing too hard for our God to do. Help us to believe that he can heal us of our infirmities. Help us to believe that he can save us to the uttermost. And therefore, it does not require our work, but his work in us. Help us to believe what scriptures declare about Jesus. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.